I'm very, very excited to, uh, to get into week four of the Conversationalist. It's been a great series so far. I hope that you've really enjoyed it. I have certainly enjoyed it as well. Uh, week one, we talked about the new wine of God, right? I kind of introduced the idea of the conversationalist, which is simply that Jesus is the best storyteller of all time. If we had to say that there was a goat of storytelling, the greatest of all time, it would be Jesus Christ, okay? And so he wins that award. And uh, the reason for that is, is because the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. And all of the stories that Jesus told, all these parables, which are just made up fictional stories. Now, impact us in such a powerful way. So we've been going through the different parables of Jesus. Week one was the new wine. Talking about how Jesus was saying, hey, listen, uh, my disciples don't do the same things as all the other disciples do because I'm bringing a a new thing. There's something new that's happening. The, The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is upon you is what he would say. And this new wine is is the gospel of Jesus, the good news that there's something new happening. There's a new covenant. There's a new story that I'm writing right now, and it's not going to fit into your old man-made religious systems of the day. So that was week one, new wine. Week two was a parable of the sower. We talked about uh, how it would have made sense to them because 80 to 90% of them would have lived off of the land. That's how they got their food. They didn't have McDonald's or Whataburger. Come on, somebody. Amen. They didn't have that fast food culture, you had to actually grow your own food and live off the land. And uh, so it would have made a lot of sense to them, but he's talking about the soil of our hearts. Like what kind of soil do you have? Are, are you like the, the path that the, the seed gets thrown onto the path, it gets trampled on immediately, never grows? Or maybe you're like the rocks that shoots up really quickly, but then the sun scorches it. Maybe you're like the thorns. Uh, that's what your heart is like, where the word of God comes into your heart and uh, then it grows for a little bit, but then gets choked out by the things of this world. Maybe you have the good soil in your heart and you receive the word of God uh, and it cultivates and you produce good fruit. And then we talked about last week, uh, after you maybe have that good soil in your heart, you come into the family of God. Now you're on mission. That's what we talked about last week, amen? You remember, uh, we talked about the parable of the lost sheep that Jesus will leave the 99 to go find the one. We don't wanna be one of the 99 that complain, right, about Jesus going to find the one, but we understand that as followers of Christ, we are now on the same mission that Jesus shared with us. And he simply said it this way, I came to seek and save the lost, right? That is the mission of Jesus. And so that's the mission that we get to be a part of. And then, uh, so we talked about, what that looks like, being on mission and, and, and being a part of, uh, partnering with the Holy Spirit for our community, for our families. And so then this week, we're gonna talk about, hey, what does it look like to be on mission? What does that mean? And we're gonna do another parable, the parable of the lampstand, all right? And the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is simply shine bright, because we need to shine bright in our communities. We're on mission, and how do we accomplish the mission? It is by shining bright in our family, in our communities, in our church, and around the world. So let's go ahead and read the Word of God. It's in Matthew 5, 14 through 16 this morning. It says this, you are the light of the world. This is Jesus talking. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, 
you read this verse right here, let your light shine before others. And you might be taken back to a, a little thing that we used to have in church called Sunday school. Come on, somebody who went to Sunday school back in the day. Maybe your church still has it. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a dying thing. I think, unfortunately, a little bit. It, it really is. But I went to Sunday school all growing up, uh, you know, I was uh, a young lad in the 90s, okay, and Sunday school was in full swing at that point. And uh, so I went to Sunday, they had the little felt things. Y'all remember that? Like for kids' church, you had the little felt boards, had the little characters and everything. Come on, Ken on the camera knows right now. He did the felt boards, okay? Praise God. And, uh, and there, there, this is one song that we sing, and you probably already know where I'm going with this. One of the kids' church songs was this. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, come on, Joey. I'm gonna let it shine. And this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Come on, you say you sound great. Come on, amen. Here's the deal, y'all. Uh, this story right here that Jesus is saying, that he's saying you are the light of the world. You're not gonna take this, uh, uh, this beautiful town that's built on a hill, like you can't hide it. There's no way that you can hide it. And you are this light, and why would you put it under a bowl? It makes no sense to do that. No one would ever light a lamp and just put it right under a bowl because it's not gonna be useful to anybody. So he's saying, let that light shine. And that's where we get this song. And I used to sing that all the time, and, and Oakland actually sings it. It's one of the songs that we play uh, in kids' church, just kind of on a loop before service starts, they have that song. And, and I love the imagery that this kid's YouTube thing uses. It's a light bulb with arms and legs. It's a little weird. It's kids' church, all right? So it's a light bulb with arms and legs. And this light bulb is just kind of walking down a dark cityscape, walking down the street. Everything's dark around it, right? And it starts singing it, and it's got this girl singing it. Oakland loves it. He loves when that little light bulb pops up. But I love the imagery of that, right? It's that in the city, wherever you are, this light bulb is just now walking down the street and everything around it starts to get brighter. All the, all the windows are lighting up, the doors are lighting up, everything around it is just lighting up. And he loves to sing that song, and I love when he does because it's teaching him something very important is that we are supposed to light up the city. Come on, we're supposed to light up our workplace. We're supposed to light up our family with the love of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Here's the problem. A lot of times... We have trouble with this, all right? We have trouble. We, we believe that we're on mission, right? And we say, you know what? Yes, I'm on mission. Jesus said the great commission, go into all the world and make disciples. Teach them, disciple people, help them get baptized and, and train them into everything that I've commanded you. Come on, and, and we believe we're on mission. And then he says right here, you're the light of the world. You gotta shine bright. But sometimes I think we have trouble with this. It's actually supported by the data. I'm gonna read something to you. It's from Barna, which is a group that studies Christians and churches all over the world. And they have an article, very concerning article. It said this, came out just a few years ago, I believe. It says this, uh, titles, almost half of practicing Christian millennials say evangelism is wrong. Interesting, right? Let's read. Many millennials, which is, is my age group here, if you're not a millennial, then you know, either higher or lower. We'll talk about you here in a second, okay? Many millennials are unsure about the practice of evangelism. Almost half of millennials, 47%, agree at least somewhat that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. This is compared 
to a little over one quarter of Gen X, 27%, one in five boomers, 19%, and elders, 20%. Gen Z was not even included in this study at that point. Sorry, high schoolers, okay? Gen Z was not included in this study, and, but they predict that Gen Z is going to be substantially worse, that it would be anywhere from over half to 60% of practicing Christians, Christians say that evangelism is wrong. Uh, this is just absolutely mind-blowing. And at the very end of the study, it says this is the conclusion they came to is the data show enormous ambivalence among millennials in particular about the calling to share their faith with others. Now, I'm a millennial, and that bothers me, all right? I don't know about you, but that certainly bothers me to hear that my age group, my age brackets, you know, millennials, you have to understand too, uh, you know, just a few years ago, we talked about millennials and we were a lot younger, right? We were the college kids. We were the high school kids that everybody talked trash about millennials. They just don't want to work. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking about? We used to talk trash about them, okay? Listen, we're all getting older. We're now in the workforce. We're now the adults that are having kids. And Gen Z is the next one coming up behind us. They're already talking about the next generation that's coming up behind them. And so if it's just getting worse and worse and worse, listen, what's gonna happen in 10, 20, 30 years when we have this large group of millennials that aren't even comfortable sharing their faith with people and now those are the ones raising children who are probably going to be the same way, if not worse than them? What does that mean for the Christian church in America? What does that mean for uh, Christianity and, and the message of the good news of Jesus? Like we're on mission, right? And yet for some reason, we think that there's a problem with the mission. The mission that Jesus gave us, the great commission, and we're saying, you know, I believe that is great and all, but I just don't know if I'm gonna do that, okay? You know, maybe for somebody else, maybe for Pastor Trevor, or maybe for somebody else, they can share their faith, but I'm just not comfortable with that. It's a little weird. And why is that? I was asking myself this question, when did sharing our faith become taboo? And I'm not talking about in the world. It makes sense. Like on the outside of these walls, we can't expect people that don't believe in Christ to act like Christians, y'all, okay? Like that's not what I'm saying. This is in us, in our Christian circles, like amongst ourselves, we don't even agree that evangelism and telling others about Jesus is okay. When did that happen? But there's a growing part of our culture, and I think this probably points a little bit to it, that says something like this. It says, hey, you know what? You do you, and I'll do me, right? We live in a very individualistic culture. I think Google has a lot to do with this, right? Why? Because before Google, uh, you had to get your news from a few sources. And before those news sources, before television and radio, you had to get your news from a very few amount of sources. Now, we have millions and millions and billions of articles and things that you can learn and honestly misinformation, right? We know all online and it's hard to even know what is true anymore to the point where everyone thinks that we are all experts in our own right, right? I know my truth and you have your truth. And it's really kind of weird if you try to tell somebody else that, hey, listen, I think that this is true. And they're like, well, hey, that's cool for you, but that's not cool for me. That's not the way that I see it. That's not what I Googled. That's not what I saw on TikTok. That's not what I saw here or there or whatever. We live in this very individualistic culture or telling somebody what they should believe or what they should do is, is not seen as helpful anymore. Maybe it might've been in the past, but now it's actually just seen as very offensive. You shouldn't do it. 
It's weird for us and people my age and younger especially to do that. So what do we do with this information? Well, I think there's a big misconception just in general in the Christian church uh, and with us is that, that we are to keep our faith to ourselves, right? I, I think it's not necessarily something that you might say out loud that you just keep your faith to yourself, but it's something that we do a lot of times. Uh, we're not actively sharing our faith or we're not actively you know, talking about God with other people at, at work or at school or wherever it is that you end up at, at family dinner. You know, you're not talking about God. We're just kind of keeping it all to ourselves and hey, I'll come to church on Sunday and talk to the church people about my faith and everything. But really aside from that, that's, that's all I'm gonna do. And we even say it, we have a term for it. And I think it could potentially be a hurtful thing. We say, hey, do you wanna accept Jesus today as your personal Lord and Savior? your personal Lord and Savior, like he's mine, right? <laughs> like he's my Lord and Savior. And yes, he is, he is yours. And, and he cares about you in particular. But listen, I think when we say stuff like that, uh, it might actually have a negative effect. We say, it's my personal Lord and Savior. This is my faith in Jesus. And you have your faith in Jesus. And these other people have their faith, maybe in the world, or they have their faith in, in Buddhism, or they have their faith in Hinduism, or, or just no faith at all, atheism, whatever it might be. And we don't have a problem with them doing that because we have our personal Lord and Savior, Jesus. But in this story here that we see, he says, you are the light of the world. Why would you put a lamp under a bowl? That doesn't make any sense. He's saying you gotta let that light shine. You have this beautiful light of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, what I've come to do for you. I died on the cross for you and I'm alive. And there's so many people out there that are dying that don't know of the hope and the grace and the life that I have to offer them. And all he asked us to do was to help share the word. That's all he asked. And yet apparently our culture is getting to a point where we feel like that that's a little weird, Jesus. I'm not gonna do that. That's kind of upsetting, right? So does it make you a little uncomfortable? I hope it does. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it at all. And last week I even uh, talked about this, this idea of if you had the cure for cancer, if you had the cure for cancer, would you give it to somebody else? And yet uh, we would say, absolutely, I would give the cure away. If I, if I had it, for sure, I would give it away to as many people as possible. And yet we have the cure for sin. We have the cure for death. And we believe that we can have life in Jesus. And yet we don't share that with others. How much more important is the gospel of Jesus than even the cure for cancer? And we believe if somebody had a cure for cancer, that would be groundbreaking, incredible, amazing, save so many lives. We would love that. How much more so an eternal cure for our sin that we have within us, amen? And I, I think if I was to be honest, and maybe if we were to have an honest discussion about it, if we were just sitting across from the table, uh, which is how I like to preach anyway, I like to make it seem like we're just having a conversation here, okay? Um, why do we do that? <laughs> That's the next question. Why is that? You know, why is it weird for us to share our faith and to talk about, you know, maybe inviting somebody to church, inviting somebody to an Easter service or having a conversation with somebody at work or school about Jesus or our faith or whatever it might be. And I think it's because we think it's annoying, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. I don't wanna be that annoying person that talks about their faith all the time and people are just like, okay, there goes Trevor again, weirdo Christian pastor dude talking about his faith. Like, we don't care, all right, let's talk about sports or let's talk about the lawn or like anything else, like the weather, literally anything else other than your faith. And uh, the problem is, is we don't have to be annoying about it, but we just think that we're going to be. We just think that it's odd. And to be honest, it is a weird thing to share your faith 
Because it's this massive existential, you know, eternal concept. And, and a lot of times, maybe you feel like that you don't even know enough to be able to talk about it. You might feel like, I don't know my Bible well enough to have a conversation with somebody about my faith. I don't know the theology or I don't have all these Bible verses memorized and I, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. What if they ask me a question that I can't answer, right? Have you ever thought that within you before? You might not have said it, but you might have thought it. In your mind, you're like, I don't know how to answer some of these big life questions. Well, let me tell you and encourage you today. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and become theologians first, then go and then make disciples of all nations. He didn't say that. You know what he did say? He said, I need you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive what? Power from the Holy Spirit. And then you will go. Don't worry about what you will say, but the Holy Spirit will speak through you the words that you're supposed to say. That's what Jesus said. Many times we think that we gotta know. I have to know all the answers. Man, I didn't even know what we were doing this morning. I did not plan on having a time of prayer, but all I did was listen to the Holy Spirit felt that there was a time of prayer that was needed and we did it, right? I didn't have that plan. I didn't know where we were going with that. Pastor Tim sure didn't know where we were going with that, but we made it happen, right? Because we listen to the Holy Spirit and we respond. That's all you have to do. It's not as difficult as we make it out to be, to share our faith and, and to listen and to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. You definitely don't have to be annoying about it. I think another reason why you don't share our faith is because we see these people on TV sometimes, like the Westboro Baptist Church. Come on, you heard of them before, right? Like they're the Turner Burn people, right? Like they got the big old picket signs. They'll go to churches, they'll go to events and different things. And, and they're saying, you know, like you're going to hell if you don't believe in this, blah, blah, blah. And they just, you know, very, very aggressive, uh, uh, you know, evangelism, if you can even call it that. It's not showing love, it's not showing grace. And yet that's what we feel like we're gonna look like when we just have a conversation with somebody at lunch about Jesus. We feel like that's, that's how they're gonna perceive us. Cause maybe we're like, well, that's all they know about Christians and evangelizing. And so I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna make them think that that's who I am. But we don't have to be a turn or burn kind of person, you know, like telling somebody what to do and telling somebody what to believe and aggressively coming at them like that. Cause how many of y'all know that never works? It never works. If you tell my wife, she is right back in the back right now, so she's gonna get onto me about this. It's been a blessing having you over in kids, babe. I have told so many stories about you since you've been in kids. Goodness gracious. Hey, let's give it up for Lindsay. She's our interim kids pastor right now. My girl, Tegan. She's almost a year old, praise God. Anyway, if you tell Lindsay what to do, what are you gonna do? Not that, that's for sure. <laughs> You say, hey, I need you to do this, or you need to do this. And she's gonna, even if it was the right decision, even if she was planning on doing it in the first place, if I told her to do it, now she's gonna be like, mm-mm, ain't happening. Parents of any teenagers that have ever lived at all, you know what I'm talking about right now. Come on, a parent needs to say amen in the house of God this morning. You tell your kids to do their homework, maybe they were already, they were getting the pencil ready to go, the number two pencil, about to put it down on the paper, and then they get a little text from you, hey, make sure to do their homework. They say, get that out of my face. I ain't doing that homework no more. I'm Xbox, where's it at, you know? They will find something else to do. And that's, that's not how I wanna share my faith, right? I don't wanna tell anyone what to believe. I wanna shine so bright that they have no other choice but to believe. I don't wanna tell somebody about my religion. I want to shine so bright and I wanna share with them my relationship that I have with Jesus that they have no choice but to ask me about it. 
That's how we need to live. And John 8, 12, right here it says, I am the light of the world. This is Jesus talking. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this is a little confusing because didn't you just say that you are the light of the world? I've heard people get confused on this sometimes and they don't really understand. Okay, so who is the light of the world? Is it Jesus or is it us? All right. In John 8, he's saying I. In Matthew 5, he's saying you. So really, who is it, Jesus? Are you contradicting yourself? The Bible's not true. Contradiction right there. That's what people will automatically say. No, no, no. Listen, let me, let me explain it to you in a way that I've heard it before. I think it explains it quite well. We know that in our universe, in our solar system specifically, that, that we have the sun, of course, right? And it is the source of what? Light for all of us. All of the light that we have that, that, that is here in this earth, the natural light that we have anyway, comes from the sun. And it's an easy uh, illustration here because the sun is simply the sun, S-O-N, Jesus. Think of it that way. But now what do we know about the moon? We know that the moon does not actually have its own light, right? It is not its own light source. What does the moon do? It simply reflects the light of the sun. And that's how we see the light from the moon at night. But here's the problem. There is something that happens, it's called an eclipse. An eclipse, uh, one of the possibilities is that the earth actually gets in the way of the sun and the moon. And now the moon is not able to reflect the light of the sun anymore the way that it normally would. And so, you know what I think is that in many of us, we have allowed ourselves to become in a state of a spiritual eclipse. That we are no longer able to reflect the light of Jesus and the light of the sun in our life and in our world because we have let the world get in the way of us reflecting Jesus in our family, in our workplaces, in our communities. Are you in a season of spiritual eclipse? Because how many of you know too, an eclipse doesn't last forever. An eclipse is just simply a season, it passes through and sometimes we get to that place and, and you might feel like, you know what, I, I am letting the world get in the way of reflecting Jesus. When you aren't patient with your kids, right? Are you reflecting Jesus in that moment? When someone cuts you off, and you give them the one finger wave. Come on, are you reflecting Jesus to that person in that moment, just like our staff member had this morning? Ooh, man, she had to have some reflection of Jesus in that moment, because that person was coming at her. Anyway, when you're at school or work, you get caught up in some hurtful gossip against somebody else. I mean, are you reflecting Jesus in that moment? When you, when you get so busy, we talked about this, the, uh, and, and the sower, right, with the, the thorns. It's like the world gets in the way, the world's worries and life's troubles and just the things that we deal with, right? Is, is the world getting in the way of you reflecting Jesus? And so the question I have for you today, if I could just leave you with one question for you to ponder, it is simply this, am I reflecting Jesus everywhere I go? Am I reflecting Jesus or is the earth and is life's troubles and life's problems and, and maybe my anger, my impatience or, or sin that I have in my life, is it blocking me from being able to reflect Jesus in the way that I need to? When people scroll through your social media, do they know you're a Christian? Do they know where you go to church, right? Have you ever posted about, hey, I'm going to radical church this morning. Can't wait to worship Jesus. Come on now. If, you posted, if some of y'all posted that, you'd have like 15 DMs like, yo, you go to church? 
I didn't know you was like that. And it's called radical. Yeesh. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I know y'all have a hard time telling people where you go to church. It's like, what's the name of your church? It's uh, Radical Church. <laughs> what's the name of the church? Rad, Rad Church? <laughs> We're rad around here. We're awesome, all right? When, they, when people talk to you, do you ever bring up your faith? Do you ever have a conversation about God? I mean, it doesn't have to be weird. It, you know, just it's part of your life. Do you ever bring it up? It's a big part of our lives. It's supposed to be anyway, right? Here's the deal in Romans 1.16. I love this verse because it convicts me all the time. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Come on. Is there anybody that is ashamed of the gospel today? Listen, let me help you get not ashamed, all right? Why? Because it is the power of God that helps other people believe. I am not ashamed to tell people about my faith, and I don't want you to be either. I want people to see Jesus in me and through me. I want to reflect Jesus in every area of my life, that when people see me, they no longer see I, but Christ living in me. Come on, that's Paul writing right there. I want people to be able to see whenever when I post on social media, the way that I talk to my wife, the way that I talk to my kids, the way that I interact with others, the way that I lead this church, the way that you do whatever it is that you do in your life, are people seeing Jesus in you and through you? I want people to be able to see a reflection of Jesus in me. Now, am I ever gonna be perfect? Absolutely not. Is the light of the moon ever necessarily as bright as the light of the sun? Nah. But is it light coming from the sun? Yes, absolutely, and I wanna shine as bright as I can. I'm not ashamed. Uh, when I was um, first about to start the church, you might know the story, the word radical. I got that word, um, and a lot of people told me to start a church. I said, no way, Jose, ain't gonna happen. And I just started praying, and I started praying this prayer and I've never actually highlighted this piece of the prayer before, but I'll start reciting exactly how I prayed. I said, God, would you give me a radical faith to see mountains move? God, would you make me a radical worshiper that when I worship you, that people would follow me into the throne room? God, would you give me a radical boldness to speak your name and to shine bright in even the darkest of situations? I said that exact sentence. And then just a few days later, uh, one of my great friends, Didi, who just, she just hears from God, grabs my hand and says, radical faith, radical preaching, radical boldness. I don't know what that word means for you, honey, but your word is radical. I hadn't told anybody about that word and that experience that I had had, and that's how I knew that our church was to be called Radical Church. I prayed that prayer, give me a radical boldness to light up even the darkest of situations. And as I think about that now, I think about this verse in Matthew 5. You're the light of the world. Like you're not gonna, uh, why would I put the light of God, this good news, this gospel that I've been changed, healed, delivered, and set free, and have an abundant life in Jesus. Why would I wanna hide that and keep that to myself? I want my life to light up even the darkest of situations. And I would pray, God, that my life would help marriages be restored, that my life as a reflection of you would help people be free from addiction and from sin and, and to find you and follow you. And here's what I wanna highlight to you. Had Didi not had the boldness to share what she had heard from the Holy Spirit in that moment, this church might not exist. You might not be sitting here right now. 
God might not have been able to do what he wanted to do because Dee Dee was not being obedient in the moment and she wasn't shining bright in that moment, but she wanted to keep everything to herself. She was just, you know, I'm, I'm just worshiping over here right now. When I say that Dee Dee came over to me, I, I don't say this all the time in the story. She was on the other side of the auditorium, y'all. This woman is 65 years old, country girl from Oklahoma, right? She got up in her heels and she walked right on over to me. She made a beeline straight over, just snatched my hand out of the air and starts yelling. When I tell you she was yelling, I literally mean yelling. Radical boldness, radical faith, radical this. It was crazy, y'all. I was like, what is happening right now, Dee Dee? Oh my goodness. I was just trying to worship my personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> but she got me. She got me good. But to her in that moment, it wasn't about her personal Lord and Savior. It was her Savior, but it was my Savior in that moment. She knew that he wanted to speak to me personally. And she was shining bright in that moment, listening to the Holy Spirit and speaking to me. So I encourage you, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, to go talk to somebody about your faith when you're at the grocery store and you just know that you're supposed to encourage somebody. You know you're supposed to say something to somebody. What do we most of the time do? Nah, I mean, that's weird. I don't wanna do that. <laughs> They're gonna think I'm crazy. Listen to the Holy Spirit and shine bright in that moment. Here's a preacher. Uh, his name is Charles Spurgeon, one of the most famous preachers of all time. He was a famous preacher in the 1800s. And I wanna read a little bit of a story uh, that he actually wrote. In 1857, a day or two before preaching at the Crystal Palace in London, I went to decide where the platform should be fixed in order to test the acoustic properties of the building. They didn't have this. I cried in a loud voice, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In one of the galleries, a workman who knew nothing of what was being done heard the words. They came like a message from heaven to his soul. He was smitten with conviction on account of sin, put down his tools, went home, and there after a season of spiritual struggling, found peace in life by beholding the Lamb of God. Years after, he told this story to one who visited him on his deathbed. Charles Spurgeon was simply testing the acoustics of the room to see where he wanted to stand when he was gonna preach the next day. He didn't know what he was doing in the moment, but simply him reciting one scripture and yelling it out and not being afraid if anybody was there or if anybody heard him or if it'd be weird or not, he just yelled out a scripture. He had no idea that there was somebody listening to him that his life would be forever changed in that moment. And it was simply him shining bright and reciting a scripture and yelling at the top of his lungs that that one man's life was forever changed. Do we shine bright so much that maybe you don't even know the impact that you're having on people around you? People see the light that you have and maybe they don't ever ask you specifically about your faith that you don't even ever have a conversation with them about church or Jesus or anything. Maybe a coworker that you work with, they, they just watched you and they saw how you lived and and maybe you end up going to another job or they end up moving away. And, but then a year or two later, they, they remember you and they're going through a hard time and they say, you know what? Like, maybe I should find a church. Man, I remember how John was always, you know, just such a great guy. And he went to church. I remember seeing him post on social media about his church. And he was always just such a positive dude. Like, I don't know what was going on with him, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I need some of that in my life. And 
and maybe this old coworker of yours goes to church and gets saved, right? And gets this abundant life in Jesus and his wife and his kids. And now there's a legacy of people that are affected and you never even had a conversation maybe with them. It was simply you shining bright in that moment. So be kind to others in a world that's filled with hate. We wanna offer hope when there is none. We wanna bring encouragement when someone's down and out. We wanna offer Jesus who is the hope and the light of the world. And when you shine bright, I believe just like that, that video that they play in kids' church, this light bulb walking down the street, right? When you shine bright, this dark world around you is going to light up. Don't put your light under a bowl. Jesus says in Matthew 5, put it on its lampstand where it belongs. Share your faith with somebody. Invite somebody to church. I don't know what that looks like. Have a conversation. Invite them to Easter. You know, there's a lot of people, I told our team this morning, there's a lot of people in this Easter season, they're open to Jesus right now. You know? Uh, we're thinking about it. We're talking about this Easter season. And maybe for some people, it's just eggs and bunnies. That's cool. I'm all about it. Some good home cooking, all right? I'm all about getting together with family and friends and, and all that good stuff. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of people are open to what Jesus might have for them. They're open to going to church on Easter. And if you're worried about inviting somebody to church and it being weird, let me tell you, the most easy time to invite somebody to church is inviting them to Easter. It's the easiest thing in the world. So if you're nervous about it, just try it. You never know what the Holy Spirit will speak through you. You don't even have to plan it. Some of y'all will be like taking notes. Like, what am I gonna say? You know, you got a whole thing written out and text message you delete and start over and everything. You got the bubbles popping up anyway. You know, just let the Holy Spirit speak through you. I wanna do something, if we don't mind, I wanna go ahead and I actually wanna turn off these lights here as much as we can. We got the emergency lights. Safety, come on, man. Here we go. So it's almost dark, pretty close. I know most of y'all got a smartphone on you, come on now. And you have a flashlight. I just wanna end with a simple song that I used to sing in kids' church. And then maybe you did too. And I want you, every time that you turn on this little flashlight when you're looking for your keys, come on, somebody, when you're looking for that toy that your kid dropped under the bed and under the couch and they're making you find it, they dropped it under 62 times today, making you go under there and find it. You can tell I've never done that before. All right. Every time you turn on this little light of yours, I just want you to be reminded of this message today. I just want you to be reminded of Matthew 5, where it says, you are the light of the world. City on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, what do they do? Come on, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Would you just sing with me? Ready? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, 
I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Come on, I'll sing it like you mean it. Come on, let's sing it. And this little light of mine, oh, I'm gonna let it shine. And this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, oh, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, we're so grateful for these little lights that we have. Me by myself with my little light, it might not look like much, but when we all light these things up together, God, there is something that happens. And it's the church of Jesus Christ that is lighting up this world, that's lighting up our community, that's lighting up Hayes County, Texas. Come on, that's lighting up Kyle, St. Marcus, Buda. That's lighting up our families, our workplaces, our schools, God. On an individual level, we might not seem like much, but when we gather together as the church and as the house and the people of God, and we shine our lights together, Lord, let the whole world see that there is a people right here in Kyle, Texas that are on fire and that are shining bright for you, Jesus. I pray a prayer, a blessing over every person here that as they go through the next two weeks before Easter, that you would bring somebody into their life with a divine encounter, God. Just somebody that they can encourage, somebody that they can invite to church, somebody they can have a conversation with, that they can encourage that they can share the love of Jesus and, and just maybe give them a smile and an encouraging word, maybe a hug or whatever it might be in that moment. God, Holy Spirit, speak to them and help them to see who their one person is, the one that you have for them to reach out to. Thank you, Father, that you're doing it within us and that you're helping us to shine bright. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for coming to Radical Church today to worship along with us. Uh, like I said, we're not sure if we're going to be in the building next week. We'll let you know. Um, today, we're installing carpet in the auditorium. The baseboards are going in today. The sound system is going in tomorrow. We have people coming in from Oklahoma to help. Lighting, excuse me, is going in tomorrow. We've got a lot of good stuff happening. So be praying for us, please. And if you're able to and you feel God's called you to, please give and be a part of that as well. Um, we believe that this building is not just a facility, but it is going to be a house of worship and a praise. And we can meet on a Wednesday night now. Come on, like we can have youth there. The youth group is so pumped to have uh, their services there. We're going to reach uh, Layman and Hayes High School. Come on, Chapa Middle School's over there. We got a lot of elementary schools. We're going to reach with Rad Kids. And uh, we just are so excited to see what God does there. So Rad Team Rally is on Saturday, 10 to 2. If you are not on the RAD team, but you're ready to serve, you're ready to shine bright, you're ready to get going and to get plugged in, uh, please show up, sign up on Church Center. We'd love to have you there. You can get a little sneak peek at the building too while you're at it. So God bless you. May his face shine upon you to keep you, give you peace and just give you so much favor. And God, we just love you so much. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Bless these families, bless their children. Bless their finances, Lord. Bless their work. Bless them as they come and bless them as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.